Hello and welcome to Locked On Marlins, your daily but not quite daily Marlins podcast from me, Peter Pratt. Happy Wednesday. Hope everyone is doing well. It's February, guys. It is February. Who stuck with dry Jan? I did. I certainly did. I'm still rolling. It's still, it's the 2nd of Feb. Still dry. I don't know when, when it will end. I don't know. No beers, no wine. Who knows? Anyway, guys, great to be back talking with you. It's a solo pod. No guest today. Just me. Brief recap on the news that's dropped over the past few days. I know there hasn't been a Locked On Marlins for the past few days, but there feels like there is various topics brewing up now. And also, just to call out, we're going to start getting into some uh, NL East, state of the NL East, and our and our rivals. We're going to start having some pods, getting some opinions, some insights, some news from our fellow NL East crew, starting with the Braves, the Bravos, very, very soon. So stay tuned for that one. But guys, yesterday, Tuesday, unbelievably, there was some live footage of Marlins baseball players. They weren't on the 40-man. I'll give you that. Granted, there was no one from the 40-man because they can't. They're locked out. But there was a glimpse, a few clips. Uri Perez, Max Meyer, Khalil Watson... Pardon me. Everyone out there doing their thing in the in the developmental camp. It was great to see. Marlins media was in the mix, so clips were coming through from Daniel Alvarez, Jordan McPherson, usual guys. Joe Frisaro was down there. Uh, everyone sharing clips of these guys. So great to see that Marlins baseball players, organizational players, anyway, back on the field. We're going to get into that in 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 a little bit more detail shortly. Also. What's going on with this CBA? What's changed? I'm going to have a brief, brief summary on that one, where we feel things are headed. Guys, it's only two weeks, two weeks away until catchers and pitchers should be reporting. Two weeks away, it feels unlikely at this stage, but nevertheless, we're going to dig into that. And another very topical conversation. Listen, everyone's got prospect lists out there. Everyone does. I throw mine out there. People throw theirs out. Keith Law has thrown his out from The Athletic. It's fair to say it's one of the most topical lists in terms of discussion points. Um, and I've got to be honest with you, uh, there's a few names, a few omissions from the Marlins. So we're going to dig into that. Who's not on the list? Who is on the list, but who isn't? Equally, who did he have on the list last year? What's changed? So we're going to dig into that as well, for sure. But I think it's probably right to start with the CBA. What are we, where are we up to? They've been meeting, so that's positive. There has been regular meetings. However, one of the the surprising points is the length of these sessions. In the they're they're happening maybe every other day, and maybe they've met four or five times since the lockout. It's about that for maybe an hour, hour and a half ago. So far, in the past sixty days or so since the lockout was enforced, they've only actually spent what. Six hours? Six hours actually talking? So, it's not a surprise that things are going at a slow pace. Why is this? Why Why are they going at such a slow pace when this, this milestone is approaching? Catchers and pitchers. Spring training. The regular season. There doesn't seem to be any real injection of, of pace. Where's the four-hour sessions? Where's the six-hour sessions to get it done? I don't know. Are they feeling relaxed? Probably not. Are they feeling 
Is, is it getting overheated and they need to hit the pause button, perhaps? Really a little bit unclear as to as to why there seems to be a real lack of of momentum in many ways. It felt like things were brewing a few, you know, last week they kind of went back to back days and you're starting to think, okay, cool, we've got a glimmer of light. We're starting to see some agreement on some some terms, but actually when you strip it back, there's still some core principles that are not yet addressed. Interestingly, from the player side, I've got to call this out. I thought they were relatively quick to drop this uh, time to free agency piece, which I thought could have been a major sticking point. I think when you look at baseball in general, and where the money is shared, this pathway to free agency for players earlier, particularly with the way that the majority of guys at that age, they're not getting the deals they used to. Analytics, everything has kind of changed the way older guys are viewed. And thus, for them, you really want to get into free agency earlier so you can maximize your opportunity as a, as a Major League Baseball. So I was really surprised, actually, that that one... Was and clearly the league said, "Listen, that's a non-starter for us." Yeah, nevertheless, it it may be it should be one of the you know it should be for me one of the core topics the guy the players focused in on. They didn't. They let that one go. So there you go. The players are conceding on on sticky points. I think that's a really interesting point. And equally, the the MLB side, the owner side. I'm not seeing much much given thus far. There doesn't seem to be much they're giving back. I think the one area of agreement broadly last week that came out was the fact that there was a an incentive pool for guys in pre-arbitration years that are effectively performing at top 30 in in the league kind of guys. So guys that come up, I guess Trevor Rogers is a good example of that where they've They've arrived at the big league level. They are clearly one of the better pitchers, at, from Trevor's perspective, in the game. And thus, there's a view of rewarding those guys financially based on, I guess, how they stack up more broadly. And I think that's a really interesting concept. And the idea then is that there's a pool of money available for that requirement. And the funny thing was, the gap... The gap was so wide. It was about a hundred million, hundred million difference in terms of the gap. So that's a bit of a concern. They agreed on the principle, so that's good. And I was getting excited about that. But I think the players reduced their ask from 110 to 105 million. The owners have said it's 10 million. 10 million for these stars. And they are stars. Because if you're if you're going to only reward guys that are maybe top 30 overall, these are the stars of your league, and they're asking to be rewarded based on what they're delivering on the field. And for the player, the, the, the owner, sorry, to allocate or propose just 10 million per annum for, for that is, is, frankly, it's laughable. It truly is. It's actually, it's a bit of a piss take, really, from them. Much of this is, and I think this is at the heart of things, the owner's side, it's there there's a lack of budge. I, I sense that the players and this is where I went a few weeks back, the the billionaire owners will feel the squeeze potentially less than the players. And as this milestone of a stoppage, a full stoppage and games being lost really appears on the horizon. It'll be the players that will directly feel it most. This, you know, 65, 70% of the players are on, 
you know, on, I guess, league minimums or early arbitration. So these are the guys, they, they will really feel it. So the majority of your union will be pressing to make sure a deal is done and will potentially look to concede on certain topics maybe earlier than, than you know, some of the other guys may do. I don't know. But in general, with the CBA discussions, they haven't got into some topics. Some have been cleared. And the topics that haven't been discussed thus far or really gotten into is the, the competitive balance or the luxury tax element, which the players are really pushing for. They want teams to have the ability to go away and sign and spend more money. They want to increase the spend for some of these, especially the big market teams, and the revenue sharing piece too. Revenue sharing is interesting as well as a topic. The Marlins, I think, were in a bit of a storm with the revenue sharing a few years ago where they were collecting monies um, effectively from the, the larger market teams due to revenue sharing, but then their payroll didn't adjust accordingly. Their payroll was kept low, way lower than what they actually received, I think, from revenue sharing in, in general. So... You know, that's a bit of a problem. And I think that's probably at the heart of these the revenue sharing piece, particularly for the larger teams. It's like, listen, we're, we're keen, we're okay to have a competitive element financially, help the smaller market teams. But these smaller market teams, they still, they have to invest in the roster. They can't just take the money and turn it into profits. So there has to be something they do on that front to make it truly competitive. It can't just be a money-making machine. I think that's the problem. Uh, with a few of these concepts, the luxury tax, it, it is penalizing the guys. The players want an increase, so there's more spending, higher spending teams equally. With the guys that are, the teams that are collecting revenue sharing, there should be a requirement to invest that money in the roster itself, not just take it and go into the owner's pockets. I think that's really at the heart of it. So that's kind of where we're up to with CBA. We are approaching one of the first deadlines, and it's the pitchers and catchers reporting element. It's only two weeks away. Uh, based on the reporting we're seeing right now, I think we are some way off a deal right now. And so I think we're all starting to get in that headspace of there may be a delay. Spring training may be shorter. I don't think we're quite at the stage yet of regular season games being curtailed or reduced. But as we kind of edge closer and closer and get through February, if indeed that is to be the case, then that, that becomes a real possibility for sure. Let's look back to the 2020 season, though, the shortened season. This 60-game sprint, the fundamentals of it, the economics of it, came together, I feel, relatively quickly. And so I do still feel like it's possible a deal gets done, but I've always sat on the fence with this one that, not sat on the fence, I've always sat on the side of, I believe 162 this year won't happen. I think it will be shorter. So with that being said, we'll wait and see. Uh, we're going to get into some prospect talk soon now as well, and the development camp, what we saw there, and Keith Law's prospects. But before we get there, it's time to tell you about Bilt Bar. And, uh, you know, it is still a new year, and that means New Year's, new year's resolutions. And if yours is about getting fit, eating healthier, make sure you include Bilt Bar in your plan. Bilt Bar, it's a protein bar, tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. It makes it easier to stick to your resolutions because it tastes good. You'll want to eat them. Tons of flavors, guys, absolutely tons coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint, brownie, so, so many, so many flavors. If you like what you're hearing and you're sticking with these resolutions, get yourself over to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, that's LOCK15, and get 15% off your order. 
Okay, guys, so, like I said, we saw some real baseball. We saw players on a field. Absolutely brilliant to see. And the first clip I saw yesterday was Daniel Alvarez's little clip he shared on, on Twitter. And this is basically what I heard. Well, you can't see it, but think about what you hear. All I heard was this. Wow. <laughs> and that was Daniel Alvarez describing the pitch from Max Meyer. He he was just throwing a nasty slider. I don't know who the hitter was, actually. Someone will know, but I don't know who he was. But boy, oh boy, Max Meyer looked insane. He was just he was just on fire. He's come out the gate absolutely scorching hot. No doubt about it. Love to see that from Max. The clip went on. There was multiple clips from multiple sources, all sharing similar footage. I didn't see anyone get a bat on any of Max Meyer's pitches that were shared on social media yesterday. And I think the you know what we saw as a soundbite after was that you know Max was asked, I think, maybe by Jordan McPherson, about people are doubting him, perhaps, and that's gonna we're gonna get into that now as well with, with Keith Law's prospect list. But some people out there are doubting Max Meyer. I don't know who they are. I don't know why they should be doubting Max Meyer. I mean, he, he couldn't have done any more at double A. His first full year in the minor leagues, he, he couldn't have done any more. He did everything that was asked. It was it was a very, you know, from the output perspective, it was really impressive. But Max Meyer, the knocks are there. Hasn't got the size. Hasn't got the third pitch. Hasn't got the fastball there. He's got the slider and we know that, but has he got enough? Has he added enough yet? Yeah, I guess those are the questions, but and Max has taken them on and he's he's getting yeah, I guess he's being motivated by by what he's hearing out there. He's it's being it is motivating him to be better. That's great to hear. I do believe that Max Meyer, it's possible we do see him at the major league level in 22. And I don't think that's as a reliever. I know this talk of of Max being a reliever long term. I don't think the Marlins are anywhere near that headspace right now. They are absolutely not near that headspace. For them, they are all in on Max Meyer and his development as a starting pitcher, for sure. And yesterday did him absolutely no harm. Like I said, I don't know who the who the, the hitter was in the clip I was seeing. It was number 49, whoever number 49 is. And listen, he was Max was making him look silly. Sliders, fastballs, you name it. It just looked insane. And the reality is, it's a big year for Max. What are we expecting? Where are we expecting him to, to pitch? He obviously spent a little bit of time at the end of the year at AAA. Does he start a AAA? I, I, I guess it's possible. What's left to prove a AA? I don't know. I mean, AA tore it up. Um, I've got no problem with Max Meyer sitting, starting in, in AAA and see what happens if he's needed absolutely get him up there if needed I mean look look back to last year how many pitches were needed there were so many pitches needed it was insane Zach Thompson came in the mix Cody Poteet Nick Nider Braxton Garrett all these dudes everyone was called upon if you've got Max Meyer sitting there in AAA who are you going to call not the Ghostbusters but who are you going to call up I mean you've got a few choices there and if Max is performing a AAA then then why not Who's to say that Eddie Cabrera won't be down at AAA either? It's possible he will. Looking at if everyone's healthy, and that's always a big if with pitchers in general, the Marlins in general. But you know, for me, 
I'm looking at this rotation. For me, the top three are obvious. Don't even have to name them. Top three are obvious. Sixto is going to be rehabbing, so no Sixto. Eliezer, I think, with that, you know, if he's not traded, it's been mentioned a lot of times in trade. Eliezer plus Jesus Lazardo. For me, that's the five. That's the five that's going to roll, unless clearly Eddie Cabrera goes bananas in spring. One of the other guys gets hurt or falters. But for me, the five looks obvious, barring trades or health. So that means you've got Eddie Cabrera, perhaps Sixto, and Max Meyer all rolling into AAA, along with Nick Nider, Braxton Garrett. I mean, it's going to be one hell of a AAA rotation for sure. So really intrigued to see where Max, what his development and progression looks like in 2022. It's a massive year for Max Meyer because he's really on the cusp. Like, in in, in many ways, he, he really is on the cusp of cracking the major leagues, and really excited for that. I'm I'm really high on Max Meyer, always have been, um, and I'm, I would love to see him really kick on. I guess the other kind of clips that were knocking around yesterday with the development um, league was we saw a bit of Uri Perez. Uri's there doing his thing. Um, you know, listen, Uri Perez, he is, yeah, the, the ascendancy has just been stunning. It truly has, and... It's a name that the some of the Marlins guys knew about going into 2021. But now, Uri Perez, I mean, the size, the stature, but the name is also really trending now and is appearing on pretty much everyone's top 100 lists. Not that these lists matter. They don't mean anything. They're just a list. Nevertheless, he's appearing on them, which says that they believe that Uri Perez has a, has a real chance to be a average to above average major league pitcher. Uh, he's only still very young, but he's rising so quickly. I don't think he gets anywhere near, he shouldn't get anywhere near playing in the majors in 22. But as you look into 2023, if it continues and the health is there and everything's fine, it wouldn't shock me if Uri Perez makes his major league debut in 2023 at the age of perhaps 20 or 21. So, Stunning work, again, an international free agent signing, 200 grand, Marlins development, Marlins pitching development, all good, scouting's great, development's great. They absolutely have this pitching piece kind of locked in, fully locked in. So, gives you huge, huge amounts of confidence on that front. We also got to see some Khalil Watson too. Khalil Watson out, I mean, the clip put out there was Joe Frasaro, I believe, put it out there, it was just a, a routine kind of, pop up to uh to Khalil Watson you know he, he did what he needed to do but you know didn't get to see anything specifically on on him you know hitting um or really anything beyond that but nevertheless the beauty here is you've got a lot of the top dudes all together in this development league camp and you know that's going to be encouraging the guys they're back they're working this is the thing they had this lost season in in 21 and you know it's great that they're kind of you know, back at it, sorry, in 2020, they had this lost season, lost minor league season. And so just kind of getting back early, getting on it, I think is a really good thing. In general, for me, I look at the state of the Marlins farm and I think it just talked about in other episodes. The The farm looks great. It really does. There's so many names on there that we should be excited about. And there's a few sneaky ones that we are excited about that may be a little bit unknown right now subject to having great 22s. So 
Things are really interesting on the farm. We're going to dig into Keith Law's prospect list very shortly because he is down on the Marlins farm, which I don't think is a surprise. Keith Law, I don't think, has ever been high on the Marlins farm by all accounts. I actually don't really know who Keith Law is, but nevertheless, we're going to get into that shortly. Before we do, British ad, or US ad British twist, I'm afraid. Bet online. They have you covered this season more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football continues its march through the playoffs and to the Super Bowl. How about those Rams, baby? BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports, scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live, real-time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. It's BetOnline, where the game starts. And where are we going to start with Keith Law's top 100 prospect list? That is the question. The question, well, the highlights, the takeaways for me on this one, there are only three Marlins players that have made Keith's list. I'm going to have to call it out. Christian Pache on this list. I said it the other day. There is no Max Meyer. Max Meyer has not made this list. I've just talked about Max. He Max Meyer is a consensus top 100 player in pretty much every list I have seen other than this one and he's admitted he's admitted Christian Pache who he had on his list at number three overall last year he still got him at 38th overall Pache has not shown anything at all at all at the major league level he really hasn't I mean to me he looks like a he looks like Mag Sierra great glove can he hit not sure don't know We'll wait and see on that one on Pache. But for me, the omission of Max Meyer is truly stunning. And I'm just not sure how anyone can look at Max Meyer, the pedigree, and what he delivered in in AA, and go, that dude is not a top 100 prospect. Firstly, let let me ask you this question. Do lists matter? No. Do we like prospect lists? Yes. Why? Because they encourage debate. You know, everyone likes to be right or wrong, I guess. But do they mean anything? Not really. They do create some pressure, though. They create some hype. They create some, I guess, media attention on certain dudes. You start to follow guys a lot closer when they're on a top 100 list. You do. You just naturally do. For example, many, many more people this year will be following and tracking Uri Perez. They will. They may not have tracked him at all last year. They would have seen some clips, but nationally, it's unlikely most people knew who Uri Perez was. This year, they do, because he's on most of the lists, and they're going to be tracking him. So it does matter. The national attention intensifies when you're on, when you're thought of and regarded in that way, where you are a top 100 dude, and you are being projected to be at least an average major league player in the near term. So it does, it does add a bit of gravitas, it does add a bit of pressure for sure. And that's going back to Max Meyer, where he's getting doubters now. It, it, it motivates him. I'm all for a motivated Max Meyer because what he's already got is sensational. Add another layer or two. Oh boy, stunning. But anyway, Max is omitted. Omitted from this, from this top 100 list. Christian Pache on there, 38th overall for me. This list, I don't even want to talk about it, but we will. We're going to finish off and round up on this one. But 
It discredits it altogether. Pache is 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 Max Sierra. Max Meyer, he's a stud. <laughs> he is. So let's look back. What did Keith Law have on his top 100 list last year, and what's changed? So here's what he had last year. 15th overall, Jazz Chisholm. Insert dart emoji. Nailed it. 34th overall, Edward Cabrera. 49th overall, Sixto Sanchez. 62nd overall, Braxton Garrett. 68th, JJ Bladet. And 83rd, Jesus Sanchez. Six Marlins prospects going into last season on this list. Who have we got this year? We're down to three. Jazz Chisholm, he's graduated. Edward Cabrera, still on there. Sixto Sanchez, not on there. Braxton Garrett, no surprises there, perhaps. Not on there. JJ Bladé, not on there. Jesus Sanchez, graduated. So who have we got? Well, we've got Edward Cabrera still. He's 33rd, so he's moved him up one spot. 34th to 33rd on Eddie Cabrera. So what was the outlook? What was Keith getting into and, and why has he got him ranked 33rd overall in his top 100 prospects? In reality, it's it's a bit of a mixed review for Eddie Cabrera, which I think feels or kind of, I guess, aligns to what we saw from, from Eddie when he made his Major League debut. The fact that the walks, the walks weren't great. He got hit quite a bit. He, he didn't go long in or deep into games, which is, you know, just the Marlins controlling that situation, I guess. But yeah, in summary, you know, for for Keith, he's basically saying he's not he's not gonna let those fifty five innings um of big league baseball trash or tarnish his outlook. And so I think that's fair. I think it was a little bit of a bumpy start for Eddie up at the major league level, but I think he'll take a lot from it. And learn a lot from it. But for me, the walks, the walk rate was just way too high. But for me, the stuff, the velocity, everything's there with, with Eddie Cabrera. I think if he if he can piece things together and learn, he's still young. And he's actually being hampered by injuries quite significantly. So for me, um, I think that feels about right. Eddie Cabrera, number one. For some people, he remains the number one prospect. Others maybe have the likes of like Achilles or Watson ahead of him. Maybe even Max Meyer. Um, but it is close. Eddie Cabrera, for sure, uh, is and should be considered one of the top Marlins prospects heading into uh, 2022, for sure. So, who was next on the list? It was... Drum rolls, please, before I find him. And it's a 47, so a top 50 player. Khalil Watson! He's got Khalil Watson in there. Obviously, the Marlins took him in the 16th pick of the draft. And for many, it was an absolute steal. Uh, some... We're unsure about the signability. The Marlins got it done, got them, made the money work for him. 16th overall, Khalil Watson. And the reality is he could well be, I've already said it on an, a, an episode earlier last week, I think by the end of 2022 and heading into the 2023 prospects list, for me, there's a chance that Khalil Watson is seen as a top 10 prospect overall. He just played in nine games in the Florida Complex League in 2021, but he hit 394. More walks than Ks. Um, so for me, in just in a small sample size, clearly, uh, he's uh, he's showing it off already. And I, from Keith's perspective, the only knock he has is at 5'8". You know, maybe, you know, maybe he's a little bit small for the size. But, you know, I think his summary is Marlins have gotten one of the biggest steals of the draft class and with a potential star if he stays at short in the long term. 
So Keith likes Khalil Watson. I like Khalil Watson. Many like Khalil Watson. Big year for Khalil, but I think uh, he's still ascending. And uh, I, I think with a good and solid 2022, uh, he'll he'll be a much higher prospect overall next year. The key thing for the Marlins is can they develop a hitter? We've shown it time and time, these pitches, we can develop them. But can we develop a hitter? Would it? Can it be Khalil Watson that absolutely pops this year? I think he will. I also think a few of the other guys will too. JJ Bloday included. So, they're the two guys that were in the list. The final one, it's Uri Perez. And the funny thing is, uh, was that Keith called it out. He, had, he, he wasn't on his top 100 prospects uh, or, or, or on any of his Marlins list last year. It's because he'd never heard his name. It's the point I made earlier. He'd, he'd never heard of him, but now he does. And now he's had a chance to dig into him. He is on the prospect list. And it's at number 64 overall. Absolutely. You know, listen, Uri Perez, in 78 innings of work, he, he struck out 108 batters against just 26 walks. A, a sub-2 ERA. Six foot eight, dude. I mean, he is, he's just absolutely doing everything. He had a stunning year, progressing really, really quickly through. Um, and so, listen, I think 64 is underplaying Uri Perez. I think he's, you know, he should potentially be higher. Some people have him as the number one Marlins po- uh, prospect overall now, ahead of Edward Cabrera, ahead of Khalil Watson, ahead of Max Meyer, ahead of JJ Blade. So, yeah, there you go. They're the three that made it. It was an interesting list, and I do think the omission of Max Meyer was the major eyebrow riser for sure. Or razor, sorry. The major eyebrow razor. It was. But those are the three on the list. Lists, in reality, do not matter. Keith Law's list. It shows last year he had Braxton Garrett 64th overall. I don't think Marlins fans themselves would have had Braxton Garrett 164th overall, to be honest. So he has some blind spots. I don't really know who he is. And to be honest with you, it's just all hot air and a bit of fun. Nevertheless, I think Max Meyer is a top 100 prospect. And I think JJ Blade will look like a top 100 prospect. I think Khalil Watson will look like a top 10 prospect overall. And perhaps even will Uri Perez, for sure. Some people, I've seen, a, I think, a Baseball America farm rankings have the Marlins down as the 20th ranked farm which is, again, another eyebrow razor there for sure. Yes, I think it all comes back to the fact that they haven't been able to develop the hitting side particularly well. So that is the key bit for the Marlins, both in the minor league level and at the major league level. Can they get the hitting and the offensive side clicking on all fronts? If it does, this will completely transform both the minor leagues, the major league club, and the organization as a whole. That is it, guys, for today. Wednesday edition, 2nd of February, is in the books with me, Peter Pratt. I am back later this week, and we are going to be digging into some NL East foes, starting with those Atlanta Braves. There will be a special guest joining me to help me assess where the Braves are at. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of decisions to be to be made with the Braves, but your World Series champs are queued up, first to go. In the meantime, guys, stay safe. Back soon. <laughs>